once again, Merry Christmas. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for being here tonight. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Our Father, we thank you for an opportunity to gather tonight and to look back and remember what took place over 2,000 years ago, that the Lord Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, Almighty God, God from God, light from light, same essence, same nature, same substance as the Father and the Spirit, stepped out of eternity and took on flesh. And He came not to be a baby in a manger, but to be a Savior who would shed His blood for the forgiveness of sins so that all who believe in Him would be saved. Saved from the penalty of sin. Saved, saved from the power of sin. And one day saved from the presence of sin. As we come to Your Word, we pray, O oh Lord, that You would turn our hearts more fully to Christ today. That we would remember what He did. And not only what He did, but the significance of what He did. May he be glorified as we come to your word, and may your people be edified for the glory of Christ. In his name we pray, amen. I don't know about you guys, but man, did I miss this last year. Uh, our Christmas Eve service is something that we've done uh, since the first year that we were here, so that would have been since 2011, uh, and then of course last year with COVID. Um, you know, we decided that since the, the Lord does not instruct us to gather on Christmas Eve to sing, but He does in, uh, instruct us to gather on Sunday mornings, uh, we decided that we would continue meeting on Sunday mornings, but that we would, out of reverence to the governing authorities, that we would forego our service last year. Praise the Lord, this year we're able to gather again. Um, it's, it's a blessing to see so many of you here. Uh, you know, there are so many great texts in Scripture that deal with the incarnation, that deal with, you know, Christ stepping out of eternity and taking on flesh. Uh, the passages that, that, uh, that Nora read for us uh, in, our, uh, in our worship, uh, those are just two very brief passages, uh, just a very small taste of the dozens and dozens of passages throughout Scripture that relate to the coming of Christ and reading uh, those passages and, and remembering those passages should remind us that Jesus is not only the reason for the season, as they say, but that He is also the one who gives us a reason to rejoice in every season of life, in good seasons, in difficult seasons, day in and day out, 365 days a year. And of course, we know that it's very highly, highly unlikely that Jesus was actually born on December 25th. There are some very solid arguments for when he was born, or at least what season he was born in. But the Bible doesn't give us a specific date, which tells us something very important, and that is that the date of his birth is not important. Uh, it tells us it's something that God didn't feel we needed to know, and he's all wise. So he, he knows what we need to know and what we don't need to know. He didn't give us a date. 
So that's okay. We, we believe that Scripture is sufficient. In, in the words of our confession, uh, the 1689 London Baptist Confession, it says this. It says, the Holy Scripture is the only sufficient, certain, and infallible rule of all saving knowledge, faith, and obedience. So because Scripture doesn't reveal the date of Christ's birth, it's not something that is important. So what is important? I mean, what can we celebrate on December 25th that is important? Lots of things. For starters, how about the fact that Jesus was born? And not only that he was born, that he was born also in the location that the Scripture specifically said he would be born in, that he came into the world to atone for our sins, that he was resurrected from the dead, that he ascended into heaven where he reigns at the right hand of the Father over his kingdom. Can, can we celebrate those truths on December 25th? Absolutely. Uh, of course we can. We, we can celebrate them every day. In fact, we should certainly celebrate them every day. We should live our lives in light of those truths every single day. We should live every day in light of the fact that he didn't come to be just a baby in a manger, but he came to be a savior who would atone for the sins of all who would believe in him. On a day in which we exchange gifts what a gift it is to have a Savior. When you understand our peril, when you understand that we were walking the broad road to destruction, what a gift it is that God would save us from that road. One of the ways that we remember the blessed gift of a Savior is by exchanging gifts. Uh, by doing this, uh, as Christians especially, by doing this, we can and we should remember that God so loved the world that He did what? He gave His only begotten Son. God loves to give. Have you ever thought about that? That God loves to give, and He, and he gives freely from His own for whatever, you know, his own sovereign wisdom dictates, just on the basis of his own sovereign, wise counsel, he gives, and he loves to give. And so it goes without saying that in Christ, he gave to us supremely. And if, if God loves to give, the truth is we should also love to give, especially as Christians. We should love to give when we give graciously, when we give joyfully, when we give without hesitation or compulsion, we please God. We please God. Paul said this to the Corinthians. He said, each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Would God love something that was unlike himself? No. No, he wouldn't. He loves a cheerful giver because he is a cheerful giver. When we see how generously and how joyfully and how freely God has given to us, it should make us want to follow his example in the ways that we give to others. And that brings us to the text that I want to focus on tonight. If you have your Bibles, please turn to the book of Acts chapter 20. It's something that Jesus said. That's what I want us to focus on tonight. But 
It's very unique. It's unlike anything else that we know that Jesus said because we have no idea who he said it to. We have no idea when exactly he said it. We don't even know where he said it. That makes this a very unique quote from Jesus because we can answer all those questions about uh, just about everything else that Jesus is quoted as having said in the New Testament. But the text that I want us to look at tonight, to focus on tonight, is Acts chapter 20, verses 33 to 35. Really short text. The context here is that Paul was bidding farewell to the elders in Ephesus, and he says in verse 35, in everything I showed you, that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, that he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, why do you think Paul quoted Jesus here? Well, he's, he's bidding farewell to these elders, and he's reminding these elders of the selfless giving, the selfless and joyful generosity that's necessary for shepherding the flock well, and how he, Paul, how he himself kept himself free from greed or even the appearance of greed or covetousness by working to provide for his own needs and even for the needs of his co-workers as they had needs, demonstrated uh, before them how they too should shepherd God's flock. By doing this, Paul was saying, I'm following Christ, follow me as I've followed Christ, essentially. But even better than the example that Paul set for them, of course, were the words of Christ. It is more blessed to give than to receive. If there is a season, if there is a day of the year when we are tempted to covet, when we are tempted to feel a little bit greedy, it's this one. Not only are we getting gifts, but this is the time of year when bonuses, end of year bonuses are coming in and all that. If there's one season in which we're tempted to be filled with greed, it's this one. Because of the way that sin has corrupted even the best things about us, we tend to prefer to take than to give. That is the nature of the flesh, to get rather than to give. And for that reason, these words from our Lord are as contrary to every inclination of the flesh nature as anything else about us. I mean, in the flesh, who wouldn't want to be on the receiving end rather than on the giving end if we were able to choose one or the other? The question that we have to wrestle with is simply this, why are givers more blessed than takers? Why are givers more blessed than takers? There are a lot of reasons that Scripture gives us, but our text clearly lays out two very specific and very important reasons. The first reason is because joyful, selfless giving frees us from greed and covetousness. Joyful, selfless giving frees us from greed and covetousness. Look at verses 33 to 35 with me. Paul says to them, I have coveted no one's silver or gold or clothes. You yourself know that these hands ministered to my own needs and to the men who were with me. In everything, I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said, 
It is more blessed to give than to receive. Covetousness is so destructive. If you've known somebody who is overly covetous, it's very hard to get close to somebody like that because they're always wanting your stuff. They're always wanting somebody's stuff. They're never content. That's, that's the ultimate problem is that there's, there's no content where there's covetousness. The covetousness destroys marriages. It destroys careers. It destroys friendships. And that's just for starters. It destroys everything. Of course, coveting is also one of those things that's forbidden in the Ten Commandments. The elders in Ephesus were warned about false shepherds who would be like wolves among the sheep back in verse 29. One of the things that we see often throughout the Old Testament, it's one of the themes, uh, especially in Ezekiel and Jeremiah, is God's promise to remove and replace the shepherds of Israel because they were what? They were self-serving. They were just in it for themselves, for their own, you know, covetousness or greed or, you know, whether that's for, for money or for power or for whatever. Greed was a snare. Covetousness was a snare that the old shepherds of the Old Testament were repeatedly caught in. Selfless generosity is what frees us from that snare. And so Paul worked hard to provide an example he worked hard to, to earn a wage for himself and so that he could help others in their moments of need and thus wouldn't need anything from the Ephesians themselves. They, they wouldn't need to, to give money to Paul. Paul was taking care of himself. He was free because of his labor. He was free to give generously. And he didn't covet or get tempted by greed. So the first reason it's more blessed to give than to receive is because joyful, selfless giving frees us from greed and covetousness. The second reason that we find here in our text is that joyful, selfless giving also conforms us to the image of Christ. Again, we don't know who Jesus said these words to. We don't know when he said these words. We don't know why he said these words, but we can affirm that they do absolutely square up with his teachings and the example that he himself provided. And we know that every word of scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit, who's also called the Spirit of Truth. So we do believe that Jesus did say these words. Uh, at one point, Jesus taught something very similar. Uh, he warned a young man who was concerned about getting his fair share of the family inheritance and uh, his concern that his brother was taking more than his fair share. Uh, so he comes up to Jesus and Jesus says to him, beware and be on your guard against every form of greed for not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. That's from Luke chapter 12 verse 15. Instead of responding to the man by saying, hey, dude, you're right. Your, your brother, he, he's out of line. Uh, your brother, he, he's in sin. He's greedy. He's coveting. He's even stealing. Instead of saying that, Jesus addressed the young man's own sense of greed. He'd go on to illustrate the danger of greed with a parable of a man who accumulated incredible wealth, and to store his wealth, he had to build bigger and bigger barns and 
what happened as he did this is he became so preoccupied and so consumed with storing all of his wealth that he failed to care for his soul. And so the parable ends with God addressing the man by saying, you fool, this very night your soul is required of you, and now who will own what you have prepared? So let us never forget that Jesus epitomizes selflessness. He epitomizes joyful giving. Paul says this to the Philippians, Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 to 7. He says, do nothing from selfishness, which is the opposite of selflessness. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but note that there's a contrast coming. Here's the instruction. With humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. What Paul is saying there is that the opposite of selfishness is Christ-likeness. Jesus is the example of, of being the exact opposite of selfishness or having empty conceit. Paul's point in, in writing this is that Jesus is the one who set the supreme example for giving selflessly as he did by stepping out of heaven and taking on flesh. And he's making the point that as we give selflessly, as we consider others more important than ourselves, we imitate Christ's example and grow in his likeness. And that is what the Christian journey is all about. It's about growing in Christ's likeness. Nobody would know that it's more blessed to give than to receive than Christ knew, because nobody has given more than he has. He is the ultimate cheerful, joyful giver who gives freely to all who come to him in faith. And so my question for you tonight is, have you done that? Have you come to him in faith? Because your time on earth is running short, but eternity is very, very long. Do not delay receiving heaven's gift. Tomorrow or next week or next year, might be too late. The day will come when it is too late. Believe in Christ and you will be saved. It's important to remember also that generosity, it's very important to be generous because that's part of selflessness, but generosity will not get you into heaven, friends. No, only faith in Christ will get you into heaven. And as you give and get gifts tomorrow, Remember that. Remember the words of Christ. Remember the selfless gift of Christ. The day will come when you will lose everything that you gain tomorrow. But the one thing that you won't lose is Christ and the life that he gives to all who repent and believe in him. So receive heaven's gift and know that it is more blessed to give than to get. 
This message has been brought to you by BibleStudyPodcast.org. We are a listener-supported ministry. If this is your first time listening to us, we thank you so much for joining us, and we ask nothing further from you. But if this is a ministry that you rely on for regular spiritual teaching, we do depend on your financial support to keep us going and growing. If you'd like to make a donation to BibleStudyPodcast.org to keep us going and reaching thousands of people around the world, you can go to our website, BibleStudyPodcasts.org, and you can make a donation on the right-hand side by clicking on the support box. Again, we do rely on your support, and we thank you so much for your financial participation in this ministry, which enables us to continue in our mission of teaching timeless truths in these truthless times. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening today and keep growing closer to Jesus. Take me deeper.